Welcome to BA Chats. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Rachel Kuntz. I'm so happy to have you. I always like to remind you guys up front, we do BA Chats for two specific reasons. The first reason is we have a phenomenal group of people here at Bethel Atlanta and the stories of how God got all of us together and what he's doing in our lives and and what has happened through people, it, it needs to be shared. <laughs> it should be shouted from rooftops. The stories are wild, and and you hear so many of them, you just eventually decide to have a podcast. So that's one big reason we do it. The other big reason is uh, uh, testimony. These are testimonies, and testimony means do it again, God. So it's so important to understand about the Lord that he's generous and he is not a respecter of persons and any story that you hear, any beautiful thing you see him doing, it is proper and it is beautiful and it is healthy to jump in the middle of it and say, do it again, God, do it in me, do it through me, do it for me. So anything you hear celebrated on BA Chats, um, grab it and say, Father, work like that in my life. Do something wonderful in me. I want to know you. I want to love you. So BA Chats. We have a very special guest today. I'm so honored and so happy to have Michael Maiden in studio. Hello, Mr. Maiden. Hi, Miss Rachel. <laughs> How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. Michael Maiden, it has just been a blessing to our body. We you 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 just are our favorite. And I know you hear it over and over, but you're one of our favorite speakers that comes. And so would you tell us uh, tell our listeners just a little bit about you and then I've got some questions about prophecy. Thank you, Rachel. It's, a, it's an honor to be with you today. And uh, well, I'm, um, I'm a follower of Jesus that uh, I've been serving the church for 41 years in ministry. Wow. And um, just am so grateful for the honor of uh, being entrusted uh, to, do, uh, to, to love people. And uh, um, I have four kids. Uh, my wife and I are... Uh, in a few months, 40 years of marriage, we'll be celebrating 40 years. Oh, wow. In ministry, 41, married mm. 40 of those years. That's awesome. Yeah. Seven grandbabies. Oh, that's a big deal. And uh, have, have uh, started a couple churches and worked in church my whole life. And, and so that's been a, um, a, a great journey, and I'm, I'm honored that God's allowed me to do it. Oh, my goodness. And where is your church? Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. And what's the name of your church? Church for the Nations. Okay. We listened to your podcast, and they're so helpful. They have oh. just been helpful to our lives. If people wanted to listen to you and your church, how could they get, how could they hear you? Um, our website, cftn.com, or we have a church app that um, you can get if you have a smartphone, does the same things for free, and and uh, our both video and uh, audio podcasts are available for whoever whoever wants them. Nice, so nice. Okay, so what you don't consider yourself a prophet? Is this true? Have I heard you say this? Yeah, I, well, I, I don't call myself one. Okay. Um, I just um, I just do a lot of prophecy. <laughs> you do a lot of <laughs> prophecy, accurate, helpful prophecy. When did this start? St- during in you like what, what was the thing that motivated you to hear so clearly and pursue this well I was grateful um, to be exposed to uh, the Holy Spirit as a teenager oh great and um, so being in being in the environments where God's spirit is moving creates an appetite for people to to want those experiences themselves and one day when I was reading the Bible 
And when Jesus said the Holy Spirit would show show us things to come, it just leaped out of the page into my heart. Wow. And I thought, why 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 isn't God showing me things to come? So I just meditated on that and I was I had a, a part time job um, of cleaning carpets and I was cleaning this this big huge mansion in in uh, <laughs> in Tustin, California. And the Lord started talking to me about the owner and it gave me a prophecy and words of knowledge. And when I finished, I think it was a three day job. When I finished it, I shared it with the man. He was deeply touched and came to Christ. And so, so I just started um, more and more asking God if he had something to say. How old were you? I think I was 21. 21. Did you have the baptism by this, this point? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you saw it in the word. Uh-huh. That's awesome. And you had never had a prophecy over you or a word at I, this point? No, I had had people give me prophecies before. Okay. I'd never given a prophecy out um, by myself. And so I started doing that. And um, just, you know, I found out that God has something that good to say to everybody. Wow. And that he's, he's just wanting us to be uh, more available and more... Um, more ready to step into the arena of giving his, sharing his love. You know, uh, I shared this last night at the school, but I was praying one day and I had this remarkable vision. I was standing in the middle of a warehouse and I knew it was in heaven. And I was standing in the aisle, looking down the aisle, and the aisle went down longer than I could see. It just was an unending aisle. Then I looked at the shelves and they went up higher than I could see. And I wondered what... you know, what kind of warehouse would be in heaven? And then suddenly I'm over at by the shelf pulling out a drawer and it was all mail and it was letters. And the Lord said this to me, these are all the undelivered love letters I have for mankind. Oh. And that God's heart is so full of things that he has for people. And he just wants everyone to know. He wants everyone to know how much he loves them. And when people... When people feel that the God of the universe knows their name and cares for them and loves them, it has a transformational effect on their hearts. Is this the heart of prophecy, is that Jesus loves us? Yeah, I, I think the heart of all ministry has to be Jesus loves us. It's, it's the river that we draw our water from. And so whenever we move away from God's love, any part of ministry becomes diluted and it becomes... Um, inappropriate and it doesn't represent God. So it, in the Bible, there's a whole chapter on prophecy, but right before it, there's a whole chapter on love. Oh. And it tells us that if you have one without the other, something's always missing. And so we want to have everything emanate from a heart of love. And that's the way um, um, God would speak to us. When I speak to my children, I feel love for them. And even when you know, I'm having to say something that's maybe difficult for them to hear. It's always done with a loving uh, un- intention. And that's once we have the intention of God, which is his great love for people, it allows us to share um, then in that, that river of life that's flowing from God to, to a hurting world. Wow. So that first word that you gave when you were 21, was it accurate? And it- Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so that, that man found Christ and you got to lead him to the Lord. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a pretty successful first word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you develop it past that? What you know, the, the secret for anything becoming strong 
in the kingdom is is use. So is use. Usage wow. produces strength. It produces confidence. It produces excellence. And um, I, um, you know, just it's like a muscle. So you have to develop it through use and through regular, consistent um, use. And so, like with with any any part of our lives, um, if we don't use it, we lose it. So the diminishing of its presence and of its availability and of its possibilities if it's not used. And the same with prophecy, same with all the gifts of the Spirit. God, God wants them used. When you are hearing words for people, do you hear, do you see? How is it communicated to you so clearly? Well, that's a, so that's a great question. Everyone's different. And so God works in the framework of a person's uh, um, mental and emotional and personality makeup. So some people have visions, some people hear sentences, some people see images, some people feel impressions. I would say when I was younger, I would um, get like I was a stenograph, like I was uh, taking notes from God. I just hear these a paragraph, and and it was so loud and so crystal clear. After forty years of doing it, now. It's uh, a, a very tender whisper um, that, <laughs> that I have to be quiet for. And, but, but everyone's different. Sometimes I'll see visions or have a mental picture, and sometimes I'll have an idea or concept. And I, I just was in a meeting a half an hour ago, and I had this one word, and I ended up meaning a lot to the pastor. So God, you know, God, God speaks everyone's language, and he knows kind of the appropriate symbols, uh, word usage, um, imagery, or vocabulary to really touch someone's heart. How do you, is it super satisfying to give words that are so specific? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think um, the, 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 the thing about prophecy is this, that sometimes the church, Miss Rachel, is too harsh on people that are growing the prophetic. That's helpful. So I, I grant my church the grace to make mistakes. And I said, listen, um, don't be afraid of missing it you, you, because no one's batting a thousand. No one's accurate. The only perfectly accurate person was Jesus. And all the rest of us are growing in maturity. We're growing in development of our, of our character, our life, our, our, then our gifts. And um, that of, of course, there's... Um, 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 there's satisfaction to me. There's almost relief. Okay, good. That was that was the the, the mind of God for that. But the, the the greatest part is not about the releasing of a word. To me, the most rewarding part is seeing the response of someone's heart being touched and someone's life being affected by an encounter with God. That just never gets old. And <laughs> it never gets old. Yeah, it's, good word. Yeah. Do you have? a word or a handful of words that have specifically like directed you and shaped you and molded you from other people? Has prophecy been like, of course, it's been a huge blessing to you receiving and, but do you have like two or three words that have really given you direction? Yeah. I, 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 I think that, um, God's, you know, um, been very kind to me by, by sending people or allowing me to receive words. And just a, a couple of simple examples are, one of the first prophecies I received was from a real mature prophet. And he said, I was standing in the, a platform before 
a large church, and he said, Michael, you're going to write two great books. And I'm on the stage, and I'm, you know, um, in my 20s, and I started laughing out loud. And (laughs) I'm I'm sure everyone in the church thought, he's just so happy. (laughs) But I was laughing because I didn't believe it. But because I knew... It was a Sarah laugh. Yeah, it was a Sarah laugh. And I thought, I'm not a writer. I don't have the discipline, the attention span. Because my my mind works really fast. I get bored tremendously easy. The last person I wrote was my wife when when we were engaged and we were in I was in seminary and she was 400 miles away from me and and I couldn't afford a phone so I wrote her every day <laughs> but when I got home after that I was so I I was having a hard time hearing God's voice and the Lord said this to me Michael why should I give you a new word when you rejected my last word wow so I got off I got back then it was cassette tapes I got out that cassette tape and listened to it and God said I would write books. So I started saying, God, thank you that I'm a writer of books. Thank you that you've anointed me to write books. Because prophecy doesn't just tell, tell you about your past or tell you where you are. It invites you to where you're supposed to be. Oh, or, wow. or it reveals the undeveloped or undiscovered parts of your destiny. Wow. So um, I did that. And within a, a few weeks, God gave me my first book. And I just finished, I think, my 15th or 16th book. Oh, I didn't know you were on 15 or 16. Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Best story ever. How often did you say, I'm a writer? Was it just two weeks? No, yeah. yeah, It was all day for, um, yeah, maybe a month. I just kept uh, pressing into it. So first, there was a great scripture Paul wrote to Timothy. So Paul... Paul's discipling Timothy kind of long distance. And um, he senses when he's praying for Timothy that he's going through a battle. So he writes both epistles. And one of the most powerful things Paul says is, Timothy, do warfare by the prophecies that you received previously. And the idea was God gives me a prophetic word in this season, that's a weapon to overcome my next season. And when I don't recognize or retrieve or remind myself of the word God gave me, I'm missing a strategic weapon to overcome. And so prophecies have to be, um, you know, people can be indifferent or, well, if it's God's will, no, a prophecy, just like the Bible, if it's God's word to you, and if you know it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, then you need to stand on it. You need to believe it. You need to confess it and pray it and or act on it if there's uh, actionable possibilities in it. So that we can't, it's, it's passive until we put it to work. Wow. Prophecies are passive until mm. we put them to work. That's beautiful. And, and tell me again, you put them to work by remembering. Yeah. Saying. By, by believing them declaring them, uh, adding them into our, uh, you know, our conscious vocabulary, and then acting on them if there's things we can do. So um, w- without faith, anything God gives us kind of remains dormant or passive. And so it's, it's, there's always kind of a partnership we have in a prophetic encounter that determines the, the outcome of it. And I think that's uh, something we're going to get better at. We're going to get better at you know, you know, God says this, and I'm just standing on it, declaring it, 
And um, that that's the way that we release that prophecy to become a reality. Is that how you would define faith, just partnership with the Lord? Yeah, I, th- I think faith is just a, a agreeing with God, partnering with His will, and then allowing Him to... Faith unties the hand of God wow. and allows Him to do what He wanted to do all along, but needs oh. a earthly partner to do it with. That's so helpful. Could you say that just one more time? Yeah, <laughs> he so, wanted to do it all along. Yeah, I, I think that we, we're, we're not in the business of convincing a reluctant God to participate in, in our, our needs, our problems, or the hurt of this world, he's already longing to do that. So all faith does is allow him to do what he's already predisposed and um, you know eager to do. Like it was his idea. He's, yeah. He started it. God loves people more than we do. God cares about people more than we do. God, um, there, there's no aspect of life that God's not engaged in. And so faith just allows God, you know, say, okay, let's go to work. It allows God to penetrate that problem with his his kingdom and his his grace and his love and bring about good results. Would you say that faith just basically puts us in his flow of what he's already doing? Yeah. That's a good way of putting Miss Rachel. So faith is uh faith is giving God our yes. So oh. All the promises of God, as Second Second Corinthians says, are in Jesus, yes, and in Him, Amen. When I say Amen to God, it's because He's already said yes to me. Wow! And I'm just adding my concurrence to something. So, it, so if, if if you and I went out uh, for lunch after this, we go to the restaurant and they and we order something, and uh, and we say, "I'd like that." Well, the waiter's not going to say, well, we don't have that. He's going to say, okay, you can have that because everything on the menu is available. That's why they represent it. And so the promises of God are available. And faith says, I'll take that. I claim that. I believe I can have that. And I thank you, God, for it. And enters into then the delivery of that into our life. Well, with that understanding of faith, that helps us understand rest that actually makes yeah. rest make sense rest doesn't make sense if faith all of it is your responsibility if it's all on your shoulders right that's i think that's where we hit the snag with rest just in the body about i don't understand you hear people trying to explain rest and i think it's because if everything's on your responsibility on your shoulders there is no rest yeah but if faith is just getting in tune with Jesus and what he's already, he wanted to do, he's been planning to do for thousands of years, and he's asking, who wants to be involved with me? That makes rest make perfect sense. Yeah, that's, I, I, I love that because um, this, there's a little bit of confusion about faith and rest when people say, well, you know, I'm just at rest. Sometimes it just means they're disengaged and they're not believing God for anything. And so they're just trying to, to quiet their world by being less in tune to both the needs and then the the possibilities of heaven. But faith um, is the vict- faith is the note of victory that brings the place of rest to us because we know God is in charge. I'm believing you, God. Now I can retreat to the the Sabbath of your rest, knowing that you're active for me. But I'm holding on by faith to your promise. So real rest comes through real faith in God and um, not complacency. But, but so it's, it's, it's a delicate mixture, but you're right. 
the only way to have real rest is to have real faith. Rest would look like complacency if you were the one that had been doing all of the work. Right. And somebody says, oh, friend, you got to rest. Yeah. And if you had been in faith, your understanding of faith, which was just working, 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 working. Yeah. It would look like, okay, so I need to not do that then. Right. Oh, that's super helpful. Yeah. Well, what would you say to somebody? We have so many listeners. We have, we've had people email in from the wildest places all over the world and and some folks are familiar with all of this that we're talking about, and some folks have never heard a thing. So what would you say to the person that's like, prophecy, I thought prophecy was thousands of years ago, or I thought prophecy was scary, really. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks stay away from prophecy because they just think it's weird or, or they're going to get in trouble. What would you say to that person about prophecy to just um, help and invite them into a deeper truth about it? Yeah, so the, the cool thing when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, and um, it's just this radical encounter the 120 disciples have with God, Peter stands up and he's preaching, he's, he's explaining to them what happened, and he said, these guys aren't drunk, it's only nine in the morning, <laughs> but this is that spoken by Joel the prophet. That in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men see visions. Your old men dream dreams. And so describing the very, at the very onset of the Holy Spirit's poured out engagement with mankind, we have then the, the descriptive narrative of what his job would be, what his primary responsible wow. activity would be. And that is to reveal God's will to people through prophecy, through visions, and through dreams. And, of course, we all we honor the other gifts. You know, we pray in tongues and other things. But prophecy is at the forefront of the activity of the Holy Spirit. So, so here's how, how I say it. Um, in Ezekiel chapter um, 37 um, or 47, the Holy, the Holy Spirit is likened to a river. And, um, you know, amazing things happen. And then, and the Holy Spirit's also likened to a resurrection moment. So God takes Ezekiel, puts him in a valley filled with dry bones and says to Ezekiel, prophesy that these dead things live. And Ezekiel prophesies to the bones they come together, they live. It's, it's a, it's a miraculous reassembly and restoration of an army, but in that chapter, the Holy Spirit, the word spirit or breath or wind is used ten times, the Ruach of God, and seven times prophecy is mentioned. Wow. So any place God's spirit is moving, prophecy is functioning. Wow. So wherever the wind is blowing, prophecy is going. And so in in the New Testament, there are two of the longest chapters of Scripture in the in the New Testament are about the gifts of the Spirit and then the gift of prophecy in Acts excuse me, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, um, uh, covet earnestly the gifts of the Spirit. It says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, but to desire spiritual gifts. And then it lists these nine spiritual gifts, the gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, working of miracles, gifts of healing, supernatural faith, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and discerning the spirits. These are all... Holy Spirit-enabled supernatural gifts that are available to every born-again Christian. Wow. And so then, two chapters later, there's an entire chapter, chapter 14, 
that's all about the Holy Spirit. It says, pursue love and covet earnestly prophecy. The word covet is zeleo, which means to burn with passion for. So God says every believer is to have a passion for the gift of prophecy. It seems to be the entry gift for everyone to have. And so it says, gives us guidelines. Prophecy must edify, encourage, and comfort. So prophecy has to help people, not hurt people. It's to encourage people. It's to, um, you know, to, to bring, to represent God's heart to people. And so it's just simple, uh, simply God saying something that's direct and personal, meaningful um, to someone. And it's just a transformational thing when, when someone hears the God of the universe talk to them. It heals them. It helps them. And so prophecy is kind of a big uh, thing in the Bible because God really loves people and he wants them to know he's real. And um, so prophecy is a part of that um, expression. And I just have seen so many um, lives change. One time, Miss Rachel, I was uh, leading worship in a church service when I was um, a long time ago. And um, a man had come, and this man, would, young man, would come um, every Mother's Day to honor his mother at our church. And he was a USC athlete, and he was six foot six, and he had played college sports. But now he was a multimillionaire, young uh, Playboy bachelor, came to church every year <laughs> in a new a Porsche or a new uh, luxury car. But he would just stand there, towering over everyone else with his arms folded. <laughs> with a cynical look on his face, standing next to his sweet mother. And I'm leading worship, and I looked at him, and I thought, oh, this guy's, you know, he's bothering me. And God, <laughs> and God started, a, you know, God started talking to me about him. And God had showed me for this man that his father had died when he was 12, and that he had blamed God for that, and he was, gonna, he was mad at God. And so during the little break, when we were all greeting each other, I slipped down, and I went down to him, and I just said, you know, I said, can I tell you something? He leaned down to me and I said, God didn't kill your dad when you were 12. And he's very sorry that you lost your father. But he wants you to know that he wasn't responsible for that. He's always loved you and wanted to be your father. The moment I said that, this towering multimillionaire athlete crumbled to the ground to his knees and started weeping and accepted Christ. And it, it brought clarity to his confused world when he heard God's sincere love for him and God's heart and God's care for him that he didn't that life had misrepresented so the tragedy and trauma he had gone through had created a picture of God that was untrue and God used this prophetic word this word of knowledge to set this man free and so I've seen that happen um, hundred many hundreds of times so it's really cool but anybody um, so, so the, the way we get to the Spirit, the way we access them is to ask God for them. So today when I woke up, I prayed for 18 things. I prayed for God's love and joy and peace and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, patience, self-control. That's the nine fruit of the Spirit. Then I prayed for all the gifts of the Spirit because I want like two wings of a bird. I want both of those nine virtues in my life, and, um, and, I, and I don't take for granted, so... I think that we don't have any place where we don't have prophecy is because we've not pursued it or we've not valued it or we've not asked God for it. And uh, um, so this is the Bethel culture here. Bethel Atlanta is so beautifully 
honoring of the prophetic and it's like a a beautiful prophetic fountain here it's god speaking and so many lives are flowing in that grace it's it's wonderful I think it's been a place where so many people have come to see that prophecy is what you're saying. What did you say? It brings clarity to our confusion. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. What would you say to a church that would like to harbor, to start practicing prophecy and start a prophetic culture? Where in the world would that church start? So that, that's part of, my, part of my assignment is to re-represent the prophetic in a um, healthy and biblically biblical way you to, do that so well oh thank you <laughs> to churches and to church movements that maybe have pulled back from it because they've had bad experiences with it so um the problem um almost in every church environment there's been some kind of maybe inappropriate manifestation of prophetic ministry that's hurt the church or harmed people that's been um non-representative Christ. And so people have kind of thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And so, but I, the cool thing, uh, Miss Rachel, is I see the church uh, reestablishing, or I would say the doors cracked open for at least a renewed interest in, okay, we, we want to see this happen. And so I, I'll go to an environment. I was at a very large church, um, and I just said to the pastor, because this is new to him, he's trusting me. And, and I said, well, why don't you pick out some people out of your thousands of people there? You pick them out and I'll pray for them. And so then everyone knew it wasn't just me. So he picked out people. Then God touched those people. It was a witness to the thousands of people there. And it made it all, uh, it made it all okay. Well, we, we can have this in our church. So it, it, it kind of changed their minds about what prophecy is, what prophecy can do, and the value of it, revaluing something that we've undervalued or not valued because of maybe past negative experiences. And so for any, there's um, um, a, just kind of a funny story. As a little boy, I grew up in a Pentecostal church for a while, and, and oh. the, back then... Um, the, when the Holy Spirit would move, um, people would just stand up and start screaming in tongues and <laughs> someone would, uh, interrupting the song or the preacher. And it was all just so massively um, out of order that even though it might have had a good intention, the methodology was so inappropriate that if you were like a normal person, you're like, wow, that's... <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, that, that can't be right, you know? <laughs> I love the, the phrase, a normal person. Yeah. When you came into that, you're like, what is happening? Yeah. So I, I think that we've, what happened was we excused kind of, we gave licensure to kind of inappropriate behavior in the name of the prophetic that ended up being causing people to just kind of give up on the prophetic. Well, why, why should we have that if that's what that means? So the Holy Spirit's kind of, you know, redefining what the whole what prophecy is it's a good thing not a bad thing it's a safe thing it doesn't people aren't out of control so when, when someone has a prophecy if I'm in, in an environment where I'm not the, the the lead pastor there I I say hey I feel this in my heart to the lead person would you like me to share it if they say yes I do if they say no I don't so I I respond to the government that's there I respond to the order 
and uh, do it appropriately. And uh, so there are guidelines for healthy uh, uh, prophecy, and, and that's just a couple of them. Okay, big question. This kind of love and gentleness and helpfulness, is that because the government is now resting on Jesus' shoulders? So what I mean is Old Testament prophecy is what a lot of folks are thinking about. When you say prophecy, they're like, ah, yeah. Amos, or, you know, they're thinking yeah. of something, you know, from the Old Testament that's like, whoa, what in the world? Has that, is this, this is a New Testament revelation that you're talking about prophecy, am I correct? Yeah. Okay. So what we live, and John begins by saying that the law came through Moses, the grace and truth came through Jesus. So we're in a dispensation and covenant of grace. If it doesn't, if it's not embedded in grace, then it's disfamiliar uh, with the covenant that we're in. And so, yeah, I've, I've met all kinds of people that felt like a prophet, a prophetic ministry was kind of old covenant kind of expression. Well, that's just not true. So the Bible says prophecy must edify and must exhort and must comfort. And if it doesn't, so if it doesn't heal, if it doesn't build up, if it doesn't encourage in people, then it shouldn't be given to someone. Wow. Now, when a person's a prophet, there is other calibrations to prophetic ministry. They're still along the lines of love. But I will say this. I've met many prophetic people that I would simply define as not very good Christians. So if it doesn't matter how gifted you are, if you're not filled with God's love, you're still struggling to become a mature Christian. Wow. And so we want to have true for all the gospel period. This anybody is just, doing right. anything. So whenever wow. I hear a kind of an angry preacher that maybe is very intelligent, very, very vocally gifted, very charismatic, but there's anger toward the church or that, that ultimately that there's kind of a fierceness that can't, that's not defined by a heavenly fire it's it's just someone that's that needs god's love to mo- be have you know to penetrate their life more and so I, I think that we're redefining what ministry looks like if it if it doesn't flow from love there will always be a pollution of prophecy the same with preaching the same with teaching the same even with witnessing right with living with, with living. being a person yeah <laughs> and so yeah. we're all just being loved and being and learning how to love yeah Oh, Michael Maiden, thank you, sir. This has been so super helpful. We always like to open up the chat at the end. Are you hearing anything or a word of knowledge, anything? We very often get words of knowledge at the end of our chat just for the millions who could be listening. Podcasts are fun. You don't know who or when or where it's going. Or I just want to encourage people, um, wherever they are, in any environment they're at, Jesus, is there something you want to say to this person? Is there something you want to do? I've never had him say no when I've asked him that question. I've been with politicians and presidents, with people and, and street people. It doesn't matter. I've never been in an environment where God was disengaged, disinterested, wow. or non-communicative with that person. And so it's just about availability. And I think that when people sign up for that, okay, God, today is there's, you know, you know, thinking about someone and praying about a place or a position or an opportunity, just just availing ourselves to the Holy Spirit. It's amazing what can happen. I just want to encourage people, just, you know, the, the, the main reason God uses me is because I'm available. That's it. <laughs> and when we become available, man, it's just amazing what God could do for us. And I want to encourage people to be unafraid of taking a risk. 
That's awesome. And we don't have to, um, you know, people just have to know that they're so loved. But it's amazing what prophecy can do in un- unlocking people's hearts that maybe n- no other way to reach them, no other Christian tactic or, or, or program or uh, evangelistic method. And so we have to de- depend more on the supernatural capacities, the Holy Spirit, to reach people that the kind of the, the normal behavior of the church, which is which excludes the supernatural, is not enough for this generation. So we oh, have that's beautiful. We have to heal the sick, we have to show them power and you know, and then we have to declare these words over people and and that just have I've had I you know first first Corinthians fourteen says people will when unbelievers come in, they will fall on their knees and after receiving a prophecy where the secrets of their hearts have been made known, they will fall down and say, your God is God. <laughs> and so I've had in the last few months that happen at least three times. Wow. And just like in lobbies. Wow. When people fell to their knees and, and were weeping and say, this is God. I've wow. never had this happen to me. This is God talking to me. And then those people coming to Christ. So I, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's just this glorious gift. Everyone can have it. Everybody gets. So it's a party and everyone gets to participate in. Okay. Oh, best word. Yeah. Best word. Thank you so much for being on BA Chats. We so appreciate you. Thank you, Rachel. You're super fun. I was super honored to be with you. Today. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Well, again, uh, you've been listening to BA Chats. This is Michael Maiden. Would you remind us one more time, how can people hear you and get hold of you rather other than the BA Chat? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm uh, uh, Church for the Nations is the name of our church in our, our website, cftn.com. And we have our videos and, and our audios on there for free. And I've written a few books and you can find them there too, I think. A few. 15, 16. I wish we had another 30 minutes. I want to hear all about your books. Uh, Thank you, Miss Rachel. Thank (laughs) Thank you. you again. You guys remember Jesus loves you and we love you too.